0: Hello, and welcome to the Equiline Podcast. This is Dr. Wendy Corrin.
1: And this is Dr. Dave Lundquist.
0: And today we have with us a very special guest. Yay, guest. Yay, Caitlin. (laughs) And we're going to discuss something that is quite near and dear to our hearts because one of the things that I've had in my practice literally since the first year in 1980 is the Addition of massage therapy as an extremely important adjunct to the healing process. And Caitlin's going to be able to discuss with us her journey into this and what it has to offer, particularly for our equine clients.
1: Yay. All right, Caitlin.
0: So, Caitlin, just tell us a little bit about what made you decide to become an equine massage therapist.
2: Well, thanks. Wendy and Dave for having me. Um, Realistically, I was looking for an area of working with horses that I could get into to help treat them that didn't involve going back to school for veterinary or chiropractic or all those many, 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 many years of studying, although it's all super beneficial. But I was looking for a niche that I could start soon and have... An active part and alongside all these other professions like veterinaries and chiropractics and everyone else that is out there already to assist with the equine athletes. Understood.
0: There. Understood. And you've been involved with horses for quite a long time many, tell, many years. Tell us, tell us the beginning. How did you first get into?
2: uh, It was some Western film that my father was watching when I was growing up in Ireland, and then I bought my first pony with my Holy Communion money off the side of the road in Ireland, as most people do with their first ponies. (laughs) And since then, my journey has gone from learning to ride as I was growing up. I then went to study equine science and business in college in Ireland, moved over here, became a groom, met two fantastic people whilst alongside in Wellington, and
0: unfortunately for them, they haven't been able to get rid of me since. Yeah. <laughs> well, we don't want to get rid of you, but the reason I actually asked you the question is because it's because of your awareness of the horse as a rider, and then awareness of the horse at a whole nother level as a groom, that I think made you ideally suited for taking on massage therapy? 100%. Because
2: if the one area that I learned the equine anatomy most, uh, yeah, I was in college and we did all the modules and the lectures and everything on it, but it's not until you're working with them and are running your hands over them every single day. You do as every single groom out there picks up what's going on with their horses on a different day, but I myself found that I was able to identify it more from like an anatomical point of view as whether it's just the back is sore here today or they've got a big leg. It was I could definitely feel myself that there were more knots that I could come across and try and treats and health.
0: Well, I know also because Caitlin has attended every course that I've ever given, (laughs) not to mention she draws a mean orange.
1: (laughs) If you want to understand
0: fascia, you can connect. Uh, the reason I wanted to, to really interview you about this had to do with what you feel is necessary to be a good massage therapist because there's so many people out there with, with different levels of education into it. So what do you think is essential in order for somebody to, to be?
2: It, they definitely need to have feel. Same way as when you ride, you need to be able to feel. Same way as like when the show jumpers are looking for a jump, you need to see a stride. You need to have that already instinct and knowing that this is it and not be afraid to, if you're like, if I'm focused on an area of the brachial where I'm told that this is this point that I should be focused on, not be afraid to, if my hand feels like I need to kind of go further up their neck, that it's okay for me to go further up their neck to see what I'm feeling there. It's like, it's not necessarily this one point that you get told it's here and this is where you fix it. Everything is connected. (laughs) So really? yeah, <laughs> well, come back thing. to
1: the same things all the time it is it's all connected
2: fascinating it is one it big uh, thing that it is, everything needs to work
0: it is so true it's so true of the universe tensegrity is real and we talk about this all the time but it is i think for for us as working with massage therapists we the biggest difference is are they intuitive or not
2: yeah it definitely makes because so anyone I could sit here and read you out all the muscles and you know exactly what I'm talking about and but I can tell you I did this but did I really yes I did but did someone else really if it, they need to you need to be able to feel a knot and feel things and feel it there and then feel it when it's gone you know that
1: the before and <laughs> afters you got to be able to have some baseline that you can set that realize and know where you're starting from and where you're trying to go and what results you're trying to get and how will you know when you get those results
2: yeah because it's all me going oh there is a knot here and rubbing it down a bit saying yeah but if the knot is there afterwards I've done I have done nothing and that's not what I'm there to do I'm there to make them feel better get rid of the knot and then Exactly. It's not Output. so much
0: to have a process, but to have an outcome. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't matter how you get there; it's how you got there at the end. And one of the things when I first started studying X-rays, and people wondered why I was good at finding things and seeing things, it's like because I looked at thousands of normals, you yeah. know. And you've groomed horses and petting them, and and you know, unconsciously you're taking in all that data mm-hmm. that says, hmm, I haven't felt this. Whether you call it a knot or you call it whatever, call it Fred. Fred, Yeah, it can be Fred, it can be whatever you want. It's something different than is typical, and then looking into what does that mean in the performance of the horse. Exactly, because like that in a different, in their neck, I
2: mean, something then it's in their hind end, if it's on their belly or there's a knot behind their ear, it's all. It all has an impact on its performance. It's how much of an impact does that particular area have. Um, But you definitely, it's something you develop over time. And I think I didn't wake up in the morning and go, oh, I could do this. It was something that whilst I was grooming and writing, I was like, oh, I, I already can feel this. I can do something beneficial with this Knowledge and intuitiveness that I
0: have about the horse's body already. Well, and what I, I find is because you ride and because you can feel, yeah. it, you can actually speak to the trainers and the riders about, well, I noticed this and ask the questions.
2: Yeah, it definitely levels it much more in an understanding level as to why does this have such an impact on the horses jumping really hard? really really hard and it's landing even harder well why you can ask someone who doesn't write and they can give you all the theories whereas I know from writing it could be a numerous amount of things that none of them have in this little written book that someone has learned off by art it's years of experience that with any profession like you guys is years of experience brings on
0: more knowledge of everything that happens until you do it you don't know it well, and, the, and that's why I was asking the question, if someone was looking to become a massage therapist, uh, what we used to say is spend, go at least and spend a month in a barn or a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> a year is better. And get to know the horses, get to know how to approach them. Yeah. How do you get a horse to accept your hands if they are flighty? It or takes sketch. time, you can't you can't rush it and it can
2: take of going in and standing in the stall and literally just standing there until they're comfortable with your presence and if it's not, if you need to leave that stall and move to someone else and give that horse a break then leave the stall and go somewhere else and come back and you have to be calm at all times if you're going in there with an agenda and it's like, oh I have to get this done in this amount of time because I have to be here XYZ either save that horse for a time where you have more time to dedicate to them because massage is a therapeutic thing we all go to get relaxed when we go for a massage if you're in there and someone's jabbing you no matter how therapeutic the actual massage practice itself is you're not relaxed. It's not nice. Yeah.
1: Well, that's, that's one thing nice about your experience level with horses, too, is you've learned how to read a horse. Absolutely. And, I, and I've talked to massage therapists that weren't around horses, but they wanted to learn. They wanted to massage horses, but they have no clue how to read a horse. No. So so what? They know the techniques and they know all that. But if you're not watching how the horse reacts to you.
2: Yeah. I'm not going to go in any stall if there's a horse stand if I open the door and he's lunging tomorrow with his ears pinned back no thank you very much <laughs> I'll wait until he calms down it's because it, I have come across other people also who's like oh I've got no experience can I do it the answer is yes you can should you do it no my advice would be go spend and make sure your horsemanship skills are there because like that it's 20 plus years of me being surrounded by horses nearly every single day to even if I'm hearing a noise, the way they're breathing, especially in massage, the breathing of a horse is what tells me if they're enjoying it or if I'm actually making an impact in that particular area of their body that I'm focusing on. You need to be so in tune with them. You need
0: to be relaxed enough in order to do that, in order to accept their energy. Which is one of the most amazing things, as we know, because horses are herd animals. And if you have a herd of horses and one spooks, they, all, they spook. all spook, it's like spook first, find out why you're spooking later. Yeah, And we've seen it happen where you're working on a horse and the horse next door starts to yawn because mm-hmm. it starts to breathe like the horse you're working on it and it has that Domino effect, yeah. To, yeah, it's like I'm, I'm spreading the uh, piece yeah. from one stall to the next. And... Uh, Do you notice now that it's um, harder to look at a horse without evaluating it? Very much so. It's harder to keep my mouth shut. (laughs) (laughs) And I was thought, I'm good
2: at talking, so
0: it's a problem.
1: Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, We know how that works. Yeah, it is.
2: Definitely. Even for simple things that might not necessarily, you just need to be careful with what you say because some well, people are like it's sensitive at the same time you don't no one wants to think that their horse isn't in the best condition it can be at that moment in time
0: Oh, absolutely. And humans will give you an excuse. Well, that's really, there's so much more muscle on this side and the other. Oh, well, that's because, and they'll, they'll just make something up yeah. that is completely irrelevant. <laughs> and you have to learn how to go. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Thank you. you know, thank you for sharing. And now let's, you know,
1: let's find out what the horse
0: tells Let's see what the horse says. Yeah. Right. And have you had horses direct your hands to different areas? Like when you're
2: on? Oh yes, absolutely. A lot of the time I'll find it's because I tend to start, I start off of the bale and I tend to work with their from their head towards say let's get to their withers, that chunk of a horse if you're envisioning in it Um, and I'll start and I'll do their neck and then go down to their triceps and then their girth area, but then when it comes up to massaging their actual backs, I'll find that when I'm standing on the bale and I'm focusing an area a lot of the times, a lot of horses will turn around and they'll look at me and I will ask them as crazy as it's down people must think I'm crazy when I'm saying like where do you want me to go and they'll point if it's near on their and their ribs or if it's further up their shoulder or sometimes they'll swing their head around to the other side and then by the time I get to that side of the horse after I've finished the left side and moved on to the right I can feel the larger nod or area and I'm going to assume that's where they wanted me to go all the time saying hey lady did, are spine can
0: you
1: can you please move on pay to, attention will
0: you this Wait. is i'm sore on this side is where i want oh you. absolutely we've had the same experience yes. i've been working on a horse and i go to do something and it looks at me and yeah. then points its nose to a rib on the other side or i'm standing up on the bales and for any of us listening if you know us you know what a bale is but it's that big styrofoam thing that we stand on so that ergonomically it does not uh, uh Overly stress the practitioner yes. so that we are able to continue on rather than reaching and stretching and, and contorting ourselves. And I'd be standing up on the veil, and the horse will just take four steps forward and put my hands on its pelvis. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, it wasn't there yet, but apparently this is your priority. Yeah. That's what they want. I need to hurry
1: up, and that's where they want yeah. me to be. Oh, we've yeah. had a horse actually move our hands. Yeah. And move it to where, our hands to where it wanted him to go. Well,
2: that's what we were saying earlier. You need to be initiative to the horses and be willing to accept to go off of the books in air quotes that yeah I should be here but if the horse wants you to move somewhere and they're moving they could be moving because it's a reaction to pain and you need to be careful where you are in that spot Or they're moving because they want you to bring you to the spot where your hands are going to land afterwards. So both of those things you need to take into consideration. And
1: Um, and again, it comes down to the same thing we talked about, reading the horse, your ability to read the horse. And that's what that 20 years of experience that you have being around horses has led to. Yeah, Your your ability to be able to read a horse well enough to get your job done efficiently and effectively.
0: Well, I think having a plan is a wonderful thing. Absolutely. Being... Married to the plan is a bad idea. So if you have a plan, it means that, you know, if, if you're intuitively feeling things and all of a sudden the data stops coming in, well, you have a plan. Mm-hmm. And so you go here next, here next. But if, if, you're, if the horse tells you and the breathing tells you and your inspiration tells you, I need to do the hip first. Yeah. Then the best practitioners we know... Listen to their heart, listen to the horse, yeah, and then the book,
2: yeah, like I, <laughs> Is their backup? I start off at their head, the way most people when you go in and look at them, but sometimes if i'm not like I'll find myself down by the pelvis, and we like, I skipped A through f there of the alphabet, and I'm all the way down at this side now, but there's some reason that I went down there without thinking and considering the rest of it, but The books are great. You need the books to start off with because like that, they give you the plan and it's nice to,
0: a plan's good to have to fall back on. Exactly. Exactly. I remember when we were first writing our first book and I said, I always start here. And Dustin, who, you know, our partner and vet and son uh, said, no, you don't. Well, I think I do. Like, well,
1: It's usually the plan.
0: It's the plan. And then the horse looks at me in the eye and says, if you don't adjust my pole first, I won't allow you to, to do continue. anything else. Yeah. And I'm like, well, okay, you are the boss. It is your stall, yes. like home rules. And it's in their room. body. And their body. Exactly. So if somebody wants to get in touch with you and work with you, uh, how will they be able to do that? They can reach out to me.
2: Via my phone number, and there will be Facebook pages and an Instagram page, and social media, and all that stuff. When you get back, when I get back, (laughs) I'm traveling soon for two weeks. But when I get back, so start of April. Um, Banner Equine Sports Therapy will be how everyone can get in touch with me, and or wi- through people. My name is out there amongst the people of Welly World.
0: I'm easily found if needs be. <laughs> well, you can always reach Caitlin through Equiline, and when we post this, you'll be able to get her contact information in case you want to explore the world of equine massage and learn what your horse has been telling you and you weren't able to hear it. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Caitlin, for joining us. This is Dr. Wendy Cora.
1: This is Dr. Dave Lundqvist. And this
0: has been an Equiline podcast.